So, we're back. Energy. <laughs> it's not our thing. We can't just steal other but we people's can things. Steal that thing. Energy. Energy. Well, <sighs> cheers, husband Paul. Oh my God, Jack! Thank you so much for joining us again. You're like so welcome. <laughs> How's it like? Okay. I made you a strong drink, right? Oh my God. I'm pouring my previous drink into that. Oh, that's going to taste bad. That was awful. I don't care how bad it tastes because, oh my God. You hear that? That sounds like a good drink. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it is now that I mixed it. So, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hi. Hi. How you doing? (laughs) I'm doing well. Is there something you would like to say to me? Um... Uh, other than I love you, yeah, no. I know, I'm gross. Okay, so we were talking before we started recording this podcast that maybe there's something that we could say or share about us coming out because um, it's not that it's like we're trying to be like, dear other people who are too in the closet to come out. Like, that's not the point of this podcast. I think that those of you who have listened mm-hmm. to more than one episode get that. Um But we are a queer podcast, whether that be because I'm queer or the people that I have interviewed so far and talked to and unpacked things with are queer allies Mm -hmm. or queer themselves. Um, Oh, wait, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's important to share our coming out story. One, because people fucking love gossip. Like people want to be like, oh my God. Did you listen like the tea, honey? And tea. People <laughs> love to hear more about like when you came out because they want to hear that story of like my parents fucking hated me. This was the worst time in my life, and there is drama. Right. And it's not about no. that for either of us, really. Like, I I personally did not have a negative experience coming out. What about you? Well, before we unpack that, I have a few thoughts and feelings. Okay. Share them. The the floor is yours. Okay, floor. Well, well, here's (laughs) the thing. I don't want this to... I don't want this. I don't want this to come across as... uh, I don't know, like arrogant, because... It will. I'm going to (laughs) say... Thank you. No, and I'm going to say this these few words very often uh, as a gay person. But as a gay person, there is nothing worse than if you are a gay person. If you're at a party or a social situation and there's someone else that goes, oh, my coming out story. And then that's all they talk about for the rest of the night. Because that has happened to me multiple times. And it's like, uh, all the power to you, sister. <laughs> but uh because people are generally interested but if that's the only interesting thing about you then we've got a long way to go honey and that is the reason why i wanted to continue getting to know you better because the first time that we talked we met and hung out for a week and we never once asked each other about our coming out story mm-hmm. yet so many people it's the first thing they fucking talk about. But you know why? I, f- I, I mean, I mean two minds about it because I understand why people do that because it's, in a way, it's trying to find a commonality. It's trying to find a common ground with 
a fellow LGBTQ person or whether it's a fellow gay man, whether it's a fellow gay woman, you know, all of that situation. Yeah. So I understand why people do that. Com- but commonality if, is fine. Exactly. But if it's the only interesting or dramatic thing about you, then... It's the, it, it, or if it's the only thing that you have in common that's just not that fucking interesting. Then maybe it's not right, but it's okay in the wise words oh my God. of a prophet. He's had too many drinks. He's now singing songs. I didn't sing. It's not right. But so, um <laughs> I I totally agree with you and I know that it's like easy to be like, "Oh, well, you're fucking husbands, of course you agree on this matter." Mm-hmm. But I think for people who are listening who are not a member of the queer community or haven't had experience talking to people who are queer or are allies but maybe just have never had that coming out conversation, um I think that it's very easy for people to say, oh my God, you're gay. I have a gay cousin. You have to make out. <laughs> That's my favorite. It's like, I have a gay friend. Oh my God, I'm going to set you guys up. And I'm like, um, ma'am, I'm married and this is a Wendy's. You need to calm down. And he ain't that cute. <laughs> but Also, I would have swiped left on him on t- Tinder and I wouldn't have, I would have blocked him on Grinder, honey. Yeah, because, you know, Grinder, you're limited by location. So you have to delete if, you know, you have to block. If you want to get somebody else, you know, it's all about location, location. <laughs> oh my God. Real estate tips from let's unpack that. So, but unpacking the idea of coming out, like mm-hmm. I think that so many people are like, oh my God, you wouldn't believe this story that I heard about someone else who was coming out. And this is what their parents said. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've fucking heard all of it. Cause many of us have lived it. And if we haven't lived it, We've had a friend who has. So yes. I appreciate that people want to be an ally. And I think that it's awesome that they want to share those stories with us. It just doesn't need to be the first thing that people say, you know? Mm-hmm. I also, here's the thing. I, I'm i not sure whether if I or we are being a bit harsh because everybody has their own journey. <laughs> that sounds so deep. Oh my God, let's unpack that. Uh, but no, I just don't want to... I don't want to come across as like a, a negative energy with this. I'm just saying no, for my no. personal taste that I, I think because I don't know whether that's because we've had such a, in comparison to some people, we've had such a fortunate journey with our coming out and that situation. But um, to and fellow we- gay people, I, I, I don't know. No, I, I but, but I think, I think, and it's fine because I think it is a hard thing to talk about because we are sensitive to other people coming out and we yeah. do want to make sure that they feel supported. And we're not saying that we don't support you because we want to hear your story and we do care and we do empathize about your story. We just don't feel like it needs to be the first thing that you tell us about. And that goes for gay people coming out and that goes for straight allies coming out on behalf of their friends. Well, here's the thing that happens. This has happened to me multiple times. It's like I touched upon earlier that there was one person that I, I, I grew up with that, um, you know, everyone has their own time of coming out and that is completely respectable because everyone realizes it and it's comfortable at their own time, which I did. I didn't come out till I was nearly in my twenties. Yeah. And I was in my 20s i was 20 so like when people are like oh my god how could you live that way for stuff it's like fuck you yeah it's 2019 come out it's like mm -hmm. i don't care if you're fucking 60 like 
things hit you at different times and yes. that's okay that they hit you at different mm-hmm. times. So completely understand that. And I'm, I, as, as you said, I empathize with that. I just, I had multiple situations where this was on both sides in sit in the terms of the, the gay person I knew that I went to three or four parties. I went to three or four parties with this guy. He was a mutual friend. We were never really close, but every single time he had just come out the month before and I was so happy for him at the first party I saw him at. And I was so proud of him for finally, for finally being comfortable with who he, who he is and who he was always meant to be. Cause honey, he was born this way. But, at every single party, he uh, <laughs> he brought it up for three or four over that summer. And it was oh. all for, as the kids say this day, clout. Is that? That's the word. That's apparently the word. Clout? Clout. Cloud? Yes. No, clout. So, clout, cloud, but with a T instead of a D. At the clout end. is like, oh. Doing God. it for the clout. Is that the word? That's the word. No, right? that's, that's not that the is phrase. The word. That, that can't is be the, the phrase. It no, might be it the word, is. but it's not the phrase. I think it's the phrase. Oh my God, I'm trying to be so hard to be young. Anyway. Oh, you don't need to. So, But the on is- the other end of that is that the straight allies, which is we're so lucky and fortunate to have, some are like, that's the only thing they want to talk about. And I think that's something we do need to unpack <laughs> is we... <laughs> it's exhausting. Well, it's it's. I love the support, but it's tiresome. Well, no, 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 no. It's... Today, for example, we were in a oh my god a bar a winery a bar how would you describe it oh oh a, a, a winery outlet a winery outlet that makes it sound like some kind of Yankee candle shit yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> we were in a restaurant slash bar slash wine place and we were just sat in drinking a glass of wine it's our first time now was, it was it was we had taken two sips and barely sat down it wasn't enough for the conversation that was about to ensue if you can't tell i am much more mad about this than jack is. which is strange because usually it's the other way around a hundred percent i am not a social justice warrior Bish? Ooh. i seem to have struck a nerve i'm not an sjw i'm sjp sarah jessica parker bitch oh okay uh, so but we sit down with mm-hmm. our glasses of wine, just yes. excited to fucking drink because so it's Friday okay. and I, gay people drink a lot. Especially on Friday, Sunny. I just realized we're giving the top tips of how to not be an ally. We're yeah. kind of doing that right now. I don't know because I feel like I feel like this woman was an ally. So because of the way that she framed the conversation. So we are sitting down at the winery outlet, which is so nothing. We're sitting sitting down. We're drinking a glass of wine. We literally just put the fucking glass to our lips to inhale, to breathe in, to taste, to experience a fancy like that. winery that we've never experienced before. And this woman comes over and goes, I need your help. And I'm like, I'm like, do I need to call nine one one? What what do we need to do? And she says, Oh my god, tell them what she says. I'm sitting next to a Trump supporter. <laughs> Which girl? I've been there every Sunday at church when <laughs> I am. <laughs> but seriously, so she comes up to us. We don't know her. She has never talked to us before. We've never even seen her around town, and we live in a super small town. She has never once met us, doesn't know us, doesn't anything. What was her name? Never gave it to us. Oh, yeah. 
never gave it to us. So she talks to us for 20 minutes. 20 minutes too long in my eyes. <laughs> Fucking 19 minutes and 43 seconds too long because she starts talking to us about how she's sitting next to this Trump supporter and she doesn't want to like chastise this person because mm-hmm. she loves her and they're friends. They were probably coworkers because they, like she clearly couldn't have honest dialogue with mm-hmm. her. And I'm pretty sure that they had a bottle of wine between them. And she I was, that was the first thing she said. She's like, was, oh, we've done the tasting menu and now oh. we're on our second bottle of wine. And I was like, great. Why the fuck are you talking to us? There's not enough grape juice in the world to fix this relationship. I try to end the conversation multiple times by making some kind of MAGA joke. Like, ha ha ha, let's make conversations great again. <laughs> and she yep. didn't get the memo, people. She didn't get the uh, situation to be like, can, can, go Oh, why? Oh, continue talking to us. She got up a real estate app and started trying to sell us real estate. She started talking to us about how we can save our money better, even though we never talked to her about our money. She just was the person. Oh my God, more bepping. And that's free real estate. She just was the person who wants to talk to somebody while her friend's in the bathroom. Here's my advice. She should start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) She should unpack that bitch. She should never share her thoughts with anyone ever else again. And it just was so ridiculous because she saw us. Obviously, we're two guys. We are holding hands. We are drinking wine together. We were being very homosexual. So I think that she saw that as an invitation to be like, Oh my God, I'm, me as a white cisgender woman, I'm going to go and intrude on this two gay men's conversation because that's what they would love. And no, I am not constantly looking for an ally. You know why? You know why? Because you're not going to buy me a free drink. Yeah. (laughs) Allies love to treat. What? If you're a true ally, you'll get us a drink. I don't think that's true. (laughs) No? Maybe, but so I just think that she was like, oh God, two gay guys, they can't be welcome here because I'm from Virginia and gay people aren't welcome there. And I grew up in this town when it wasn't accepting. So I need to tell them that they are loved here when I'm like, but I'm fine. We're okay. Mm -hmm. Please walk the fuck away. That was so poetic of you. Oh my god, did I rhyme? You did. I didn't even mean to because Come on, Shakespeare. She just felt like she needed to talk to us. And and now we're complaining about people who are our allies. And 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 we're not complaining. It's just the idea that you need to be mindful that we are more than gays. Like there is more to us than the fact that we suck dick. Like oh. <laughs> There is, right? Um God? <laughs> So I just think it's like you you don't always need to just come at people and be like, oh, you're gay? I have a gay friend. Oh, you're sitting here with your husband? Here, I'm liberal. Like these types of things are not necessary to gay people who live in a diverse and liberal area. Yeah, we're so fortunate to live in such a small town in the middle of Pennsylvania that is very liberal and very open. Um, Very artistic. Yes. Um, but she came from out of town and decided this was upon her to do this. So basically I don't want, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm worried that I don't want to come across as hateful because I'm very grateful for the allies that I have. No, I'm not hateful. I'm exhausted of that. You know what? Yes. I, 
I, I retract that statement. I'm not hateful and I don't mean to come across as hateful. I am exhausted and I don't want to come across as too exhausted because I know people are trying. And I know that in this era and in the time that we're going through politically, socially, that people are being overly precautious. So yeah. I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. And I, I'm appreciative of the effort but in any situation in life, honey, nobody likes a try hard. <laughs> like I think I just had an orgasm when you said that. Well, <laughs> honey, a, it's been a while. <laughs> there's a first time for everything in this marriage. Hello, Craig. This is entrapment. It's entrapment. <laughs> but so I just yeah. I'm 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 grateful for allies. I love allies, and I will not say but. I will caution allies to make sure that they are respecting the individual behind the homosexuality and or, not just treating the people like they're homosexuals. Or any part of the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Because exactly. I, I I mean, we can only speak from experience from one part of those letters. We're and white gay men, yeah. Yes, we, in, in, in the bigger picture, we have it very, very lucky because... Mm-hmm. We're seen as a novelty, whereas I know a lot of the people part of the LGBTQ plus uh, community don't have it that way. And um, yeah, I'm just so, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> we'll cut that. Um, We're going to cut that. But you're right. You're, you're very right. So we are allies for people who are LGBTQIA plus everything else, whoever you are. And straight people too. We're allies for you because straight people go through what? the same fucking hey. <laughs> straight people go through the same fucking bullshit. The second that they get married, it's like when are you having kids, darling? And I just think it's so ridiculous that people love to talk about you and your significant other and your relationship when they have absolutely no business doing it, regardless of whether or not they support the fact that you want to have kids, you don't want to have kids, you are married, you're not married, you're gay, you're whatever. It's just too much because people insert themselves into their lives Mm -hmm. because they want to find commonality with people. Well, they insert people... Like people insert themselves, like that woman did tonight at the wine place. To us, they insert themselves, whether they're the aunt, whether they're the great uncles, cousins, cats, dogs, sisters, whatever. They insert themselves societally into people's situation, and you know, I think it's just too much. I think that, but that's different with LGBTQ people. It's like. On another level, you know? It is. Um, and I think that being that we've talked about us, we've talked about who we are, I think that we should share maybe why we're sensitive to that through the course of our coming out stories. So we will be right back. And when we come back from her little break, um, we will unpack our coming out. So, I hope you appreciated that message from our sponsors. The sponsors of cheap commercial music that uh, was uh, non-licensed, right? No, that music is not cheap. I paid money for that. Okay, well, let me re-let my... 
let you real who yourself real real literate myself that was non-licensed music <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay paul i have a question for you tell me um so i think that it would be good seeing as it's probably the title of the episode to uh share your coming out story i think that it's an interesting story and i think that it's good for straight allies that are listening, seeing as we've given them the do's and don'ts of being a straight ally, as well as the uh, queer people listening, just to share your story. I think that it's a good one, and I think that people would benefit from hearing of it. Do you want to share? I will. I won't <gasps> say that I want to. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think it's because um, <clears throat> I, I, I think it's because I... I'm still coming to terms with how I came out. And sometimes I question if it was the right way to come out. Do you think that's funny because you're married to a man now for multiple yeah. years? Yeah. It's just like the easiest way to come out for me personally was to share the fact that I had a partner, you know? I so- think that it makes it more... I. I hate using this phrase. It, not that it makes it more legitimate, but I think that it makes it easier to go through something with someone that has that situation with you. And not that you had this at the time, but I yeah. think that now that we're together, we can. I know that when I'm with you, I can feel like invincible, that I can take on the world and I can do anything with you. Yeah. And I feel the same way that. Now that we are both out, we are both out together, <laughs> it's like superhuman, you know, like it's, it makes it always easier in a situation now where I think like when I'm thinking about my coming out story to the people who didn't know, it was easier even just to say that I was with you. And here's who this person is. Here is the picture. Here is the face. Here is what they do. Here is who they are. Because it was something tangible that I could provide to other people. Yes. I think that when you come out, for me, it's it's something that you have to do so solo. And I think as such an individual. Right. And, and I, I like that, I was not solo. Well, here's the thing. I think that coming out is one of the loneliest things you have to do. The feelings you have before it and the feelings you have enduring it, it's one of the loneliest things that an LGBT clue plus person has to go through. That LGBT clue. <laughs> LGBT clue plus Miss Scarlet. <laughs> Miss Peacock. I think that... <laughs> so but what you're saying is it's it's a lonely thing, a lonely time. I think that coming out is one of the loneliest things that LGBTQ plus people have to go through. And yeah. I think that it's such a hard thing for people to go through that are in our situation. And it's it's very lonely because you feel like you have nothing to empathize with and sympathize with and nothing to relate to. So that's why I think that sharing this story today, our stories today, as much as possible. And anyone that has a story to relate to or a story to share, I think that it's so so important i think of the gay people in media i think of films tv and i think of trans people that have such a hard time coming out with i think that for example one of the first things that comes to mind with that is peppermint on season nine of rubles drag race yeah she came out during the series and she was the first queen to do so even though 
there was other trans drag queens on that show. Um, we'll, we'll get into that eventually. But yeah. I think that as much as there is a story to share and a story to tell, I think that I hope that people feel less lonely within that. So mm-hmm. on that note, mm-hmm. sorry to take over that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it provides <laughs> some it provides some context to my story um, because I did not feel lonely for the first six months after I came out. Um, and that is because I didn't come out to my family first. So for me, when I came out, um, I sort of stumbled out. Um, mm. And I stumbled out by hooking up with the guy who was my best friend's boyfriend, which is not something that I'm proud of. Um, but it does sound like the start to a hot porno. <laughs> <laughs> God. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it Have I seen that one? I saw that one. <laughs> so at the time as no, an I'm 18 serious. I know you're serious. At the time as an 18-year-old youth, I only knew who gay people were by the ones who were already in my life. And For straight people listening to this podcast, you guys have a unique opportunity in that most of the world is straight and less than 10% of the world falls into the LGBTQIA. So when you go into a bar, there is like a 99% chance that the person in that bar is going to be someone that likes the same gender as you. And they could be your friend. At the same time, there could be someone who likes the opposite gender of you. And they could be your friend. Or you could meet somebody and you don't know who or what they like. And they could be your friend. For gay people, when we are going through the process of coming out, it feels really hard to find people who can relate to you. So you know what you know. And your pool of people to know is very much limited. So for me, when I was coming out, I gravitated towards the people that I knew were gay. And in 2010, in my life, in my experience, there weren't a lot of people that I knew that were gay. So I gravitated towards them and I slept with both of them. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing, that happens a lot in the gay community. That's like a very common thing within the gay community. It's like, do we become friends or do we become sexual partners? And sometimes it's both. And my problem is that they were dating each other. Ah, yeah. Well, that's very unique to you, I imagine. Yeah, (laughs) hopefully. I would Um, hope so. (laughs) At least in 2010, I think, before Mm -hmm. that open relationships were more popular. Because I just think that I only knew the gay people that I knew, so I was just attracted to both of them, which is so not how life works. Like, imagine being a straight girl listening to this. I just imagine you in, in like, any straight person in a bar. There's, there can be a hundred people in the room and only 98 don't, are not attracted to you. There's two people in the room that are attracted to you. Turns out they're both dating but they're both attracted to you. You're attracted to both of them. 
And that's where the Jenga falls, bitches. So I'm going to pork them. Oh, honey. And that... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're baking me crazy. Oh, God. <laughs> so... <laughs> God. So for me, coming out was more of a stumbling out. And I started just hooking up with the people that I knew were gay. And there weren't apps in the same way there weren't you know different opportunities for me to meet people and there wasn't gay straight ally resources on the campus that i went to and going to a gay bar Mm -hmm. was like out of the question so i came out and i started hooking up with the guy who was my ra (laughs) he worked on my floor and he was supposed to be the one babysitting us so you know used my two friends who were gay you know ended their relationship like the good person i was at that time and then selfishly went after the person who was not ready to date anyone so i didn't know that he didn't know that we were dating for a year and a half so your first one two three experiences with your true self and with the gay community weren't the healthiest. And I think that a lot of people might be able to relate to that in the fact that... Straight people too. Straight people too, but gay people in a different way. That the gay community, where it is, as you mentioned before, is a lot smaller. It's a lot intricate. And a lot of people know each other. And it's hard to escape that, especially whether it's in a small town, the same city, you know, it's... I, w- I had already that small town yeah. thing, and the fact that your campus was so small that that situation happened. I had already been with like fifty percent of the campus by just being yeah. with the three. <laughs> so what is a girl to do? <laughs> what am well, I supposed to do? You've limited your resources there. That's what you've done, honey. Yeah. Well, you know, two were dating, and one was supposed to be looking after me, and whatever. So I just. Yeah did not know how to come out. So I came out to my friends and I chose to purposefully come out. Who was the first person you came out to? So interesting. I told Sarah and Jack, who I mentioned Sarah on this podcast before. Mm. And Jack, I was the best man at his wedding. You were. I came out to both of them first, but I came out to them like 75% of the way saying that. Did you do the, oh, bye, bye, bye. We were like, I'm bye. Gay later. Like, by now, gay later. That's the thing that happens. Or you were just, like, full-on fag out of the closet. No, I wasn't full-on fag, and I wasn't by now gay later. I was, I'm having intimate dreams about being with other men. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it was, like, a defense mechanism of being, like, hey, I've had a couple dreams of where I'm with a guy, and I don't know what that means but i want you guys as my best friends to know that (laughs) see i used to call these dreams but at this point i'm so exhausted i call them nightmares (laughs) (laughs) for me they weren't nightmares oh honey were they i don't know what you would call them were they dry or no is what i'm gonna ask with that they were dry Mm -hmm. but it didn't matter so (laughs) i i told them that I 
mm-hmm. was interested in like figuring out more about this. So they were the first that people I came out to, but I have no idea who the fir- per- first person I said I'm gay to was. That's interesting. Yeah. Like not even a clue because, and I, uh, one, I have a horrible memory, but like <laughs> two, it's just not the way that I ever wanted to identify myself because I am more than gay. I am a nonprofit founder. I am a podcast host. Um, I am a brother. I'm a gunkle. I'm a husband. I'm an anything else but being gay. While I own that and love that and cherish that part about myself, that is like 20% of who I am. But in my mind, before we delve and unpack that more, I think that in a way that is something we've related to previously on the podcast in terms of it's a form of self-shame in a way that like gay is more than who I am. And even what we mentioned earlier in the podcast in terms of like, I'm more than just this, you know, this isn't my only story that I'm going to tell at a party five times. Um, It's just about, I think, being more and always wanting more. Not that I necessarily think that's bad, but I think that it also... It inclines that there's a bit of self-shame and it's all about owning yourself. Like, it's all about owning it and being comfortable and confident within yourself. And, oh my God, I hate to quote RuPaul right now, but it's all about loving yourself before you love anyone else, right? Do you feel that way? Like, do you think that that aspect of it is fully loving and embracing yourself before you love anyone else? I completely disagree. You do? <laughs> yeah. In what way? Because I I don't think that um, it was weird for me to come out and say, this is just not a big part of who I am. Because for me, it's not a big part of who I am. Like, I think that people probably introduce me as, like, their gay friend or people <laughs> reference me as, like, oh, Paul, he's gay. You would love him. You know? Like, and that's totally cool. But there's also so much more to me, and I will continuously own the fact that there is more to me than my sexuality. So I don't view it as a point of shame. Now, at the time of coming out, yeah, I'm sure that like me saying that was more of a point of shame than it was like me owning fully who I am. Well, like I'm just more than that. But like now I am proudly saying that I'm more than my sexuality. Because I feel like I've never not been as much as I am right now. So, like, coming out, it was shameful. But now I'm like, young queen. Like, yeah, I let people know that I'm gay. But that's more because I have a husband than it is just, like, what I do about my everyday life. But some days I act more gay than others. But, like, whatever. So, coming out, I don't know who the first person I fully said I'm gay to. But I do know that the first six people I told... Five of them went and told other people. Oh, shit. And they were all my college friends because I made a point to only come out to people who didn't know me that well. So those five people, how many of those five people do you still call friends after they betrayed you and told other people? Two. Ah. That's interesting. Two. So one is Phil, (laughs) who is just like the ultimate Midwestern boy who is so much fun to hang out with and so much fun to be around. And his whole thing was, I told people who 
had nothing to do with you. So I told people that we didn't go to college with. There were people at home. Now, in the moment, it still violated the trust I put in him, but it didn't take away from the fact that we were friends and loved each other. And the other person is Julia, who ended up being one of the Underwave founders, the nonprofit that I run. So I just found that those two people were so great in the long run that it didn't matter that those other two people, but in the initial moment of telling those six people and one person not telling anyone, Colleen, who we were just at her wedding all not, not all that long ago, um, Mm -hmm. her not saying anything to anybody. I used her as an example to like show to my friends that like, Hey, I told you motherfuckers and you told other people. I told her and she told nobody. Because I felt that trust within her as I did within you to be able to keep that promise of, I'm not comfortable to share that with everyone, but just those close people. Yeah. So that's why I'm telling you. Yeah. Was it that? Yeah. Enough? And so after that, I just didn't know what to do because I feel like I was totally shooketh. Um, and but- I didn't know... <laughs> how to go about doing it. So when I finally made the decision two years later Mm -hmm. to come out to my parents, um, it was a hard process. I kept trying to tell them, but there was always an excuse as to why I shouldn't. Somebody was passing away. Somebody was moving out. Somebody had something it's else going on. It's always so annoying when someone has to die when you want to say that you're gay. Like, how annoying <laughs> is that? <laughs> I don't think that's a generalization. Yes, not? No. Oh. So um, I... So what was the main thing for you that you were like... Was there a situation... How many situations happened with you that you were like, okay, I'm going to say... To mom and dad, listen, I'm gay. How many of those situations happened in your minds where you were like, okay, this this could happen today within the next few hours. I need to tell them I'm gay. Yeah, I, I think to that extreme, only about like three situations. Mm-hmm. But imagine that you're a straight person and you have to come out to your parents as straight. Telling them, having to tell them three times would be mortifying. Imagine I'm straight. That sounds mortifying within itself. Oh my God. (laughs) So I tried three separate times to come out to my parents, but it never happened. And I ended up just taking that as a sign. Yeah, I want to fucking talk about this. Uh Oh, here we go. You're being paid, guys. You're being paid to be our therapists. So I ran out of courage to tell my parents and I was embarrassed about who I was but I knew that in order to move forward as a human I would need to tell my parents that I was gay Mm -hmm. so I wrote them a letter yes I know this one and fully typed it out and signed it with a pen And I put it in an envelope and I put it on the kitchen counter. And then I left the country for three months. (laughs) (laughs) Because I couldn't face the reality 
of them knowing who I was. And I was too scared of their initial reaction that they would want to kick me out of the house, that they would want to not pay for college anymore for me, and that they would just say, hey, thanks, but no thanks, you're not our son anymore. But this is the thing. This was the perfect storm, in a way. The fact that you... So Paul was going off to work for a nonprofit for the whole summer, right? Mm-hmm. So you decided to write this letter within the last few days and you said to yourself, okay, I'm going to write this. I'm going to leave this on the kitchen counter and hasta mañana, that mañana being quite a few days afterwards, months afterwards. And I think that it... And I think that it was a good time for the amount of time that you were away for both you and your parents to process the information that you had left. And I think that it was a processing time, as I said, for you to deal with your authentic self and for your parents to come to terms with that, whether that was a positive or negative thing. So after you had done your nonprofit service, in the Dominican Republic. What was the reaction when you got back? Nothing for the first couple weeks, which at that point I knew that my parents were going to expect that I was going to tell them something. They were waiting to come to me. I was waiting to come to them. There was just no dialogue between either of us that had any hint of the fact that they knew this information about me. So one time I was feeling sick while we were down the shore and I was just laying in bed and my dad came downstairs and said, hey, you wrote us a letter about four months ago. You want to talk about it? Come upstairs. And I just went upstairs. Not at all prepared for that conversation because I felt so anxious about it and I didn't want to talk about it at that moment because I wasn't feeling great. So I ended up talking about it with my parents and they said that they appreciated that they had the time to reflect, that they had the time to read my letter and they had those like 150 days just to basically be like, hey, this isn't the worst thing that, the, that you know, it's it, it's okay. So I waited for them to respond and it was more of a love the sinner hate the sin type of thing that they were not comfortable accepting the fact that I was gay because being gay was a sin however they knew that as their child they could not love me any less because they understood that this is the way I was made and the coolest thing that my parents said to me which was also the most emotional thing is that my mom looked at me and said, I just don't want you to have a harder life than anybody else because this is the person that you are. And that was like, she gets it. They get it because they wouldn't have said that if they hated me or thought I was disgusting because my parents then gave me advice on what jobs I should and shouldn't go for. They made sure I was working for an employer who was LGBT, uh, LGBTQ positive at that point. 
Um, and my mom openly talked to me about the fact that I should make sure that wherever I work, people are going to respect me for who I am. And even though she probably in that moment didn't understand who I was, she knew that it was important for me to be understood by people around me. So I had built this up over three, four years because I had a weird fucking coming out experience <laughs> where I, you know, slept with anyone I knew. Lucky them. <laughs> where I, I slept with whoever was around me and, you know, just tried to be normal only to have my parents say, your sin's not normal. But, you know, we recognize that it's probably normal, so you're going to be okay to go about your life in your world. <laughs> so I find that it was a relief that I made them wait for 150 days. <laughs> <laughs> it was a relief that they got to read a letter describing that I didn't hate them. I was just scared of them. And that... At the end of the day, no matter who I was or who I loved, they were going to support me because I am me and I am not my sexuality. And that was so impactful because they were Catholic, because they are conservative, because they have not really experienced gay people throughout their life, at least to what I know. So... I understood that this was their biggest expression of love. And I'm so happy that they chose to do it that way. So I think that we can take a break here and we will be back shortly to talk about Jack's coming out story. So, we talked about me. Mm-hmm, we did. We talked about me coming out. We talked about my experience with my family. We took a little break. We talked to each other during that break. Drank a little bit of gin. Drank a little bit more gin. Cheers as the final... Oh my god, cheers, Paul Don. Warren. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck knows what my last name is anymore? It's a little bit of both, and I'm okay with that. She's a little bit naughty. She's a little bit Alexis. <laughs> She's a nah 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 nah. Shout to shit. She's Alexis. Nah 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 nah. She's a little bit Alexis. If you watch this creek, howdy to you. Done if you thing. don't, fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we talked about me coming out, and I'm fucking done with that because that was oh, wow. actually very tough for me to talk about. Because I don't think I've talked about it that consistently in a very long period of time. Because I haven't had to come out in a long period of time. No. And I'm not interested mm-hmm. in revisiting that part of my life. Where it's not that it was a negative experience. It's just like you constantly have to fucking come out every day. Well, here's, actually, that's funny that you say that because I wanted to speak upon that. Hmm. So Hit it, hinty. <laughs> Like I said, as gay people. But as gay people, it's true. 
and I'm sure as LGBTQ plus people, we have to come out every single freaking day. We have to announce who we are every day because the heteronormative association of society, without sounding like, you know, a social justice warrior, not that I'm ashamed to be one, is the fact that we do have to do that. And whether that be in the most ordinary situation of whether we're in an Uber and I have to say, oh yeah, well, I moved here because I married someone. And the Uber driver says, Who'd you fucking marry? Well, no, what they say is, What's her name? <coughs> so I have to say, Well, her name is Paul. <laughs> oh, see, I. And they go, Anna. Ooh. I have fully told lies about the fact that you are a female from England because I don't feel like fucking getting intimate. Like, but that's. In- that's. Let's unpack that. That is an issue because no, no. that is heteronormative society's pressure upon you to make your life easier. And that is that only proves, in my eyes, how far we have to go. And to that point of what you said about how your sexuality is not a part of you. Well, not, not, not a part of you, but you are not defined by your sexuality. And I get that. And I 100% get that. And I think that growing up with how I came out with my parents, I think that I was always very conscious of like, oh, I'm more than my sexuality. And the older I get, and now I I just turned 26 in the last few weeks. And I know to some that might not seem like, you know, that old. But I feel like... You know, I feel like I'm my my years are ticking, and I'm I'm getting my shit together a bit, and I feel like I've learned a lot, especially in within our few years of marriage. I am so grateful to you as an educator. <laughs> no, I'm so grateful <laughs> to you, um, Paul. My name is. <laughs> <laughs> you bitch. Uh, <laughs> Oh, wait, what's your name again? Uh, What's my age again? What's my name again? No. To to not get emotional, but I'm so grateful to you because I have learned so much about myself through you, and I think that is one of the things I'm most grateful for within our marriage, and... um, I've learned a lot about myself through being married to you. And yeah, that's another podcast that we can unpack that in. But coming up. If you're ever wondering when a British person is done with a certain part of a conversation, they say, and yeah, and then move to the next topic. Or it's just when they start to get emotional, which I just did. (laughs) His eyes are red. Yes. His tears are falling. Oh my God. He's a messy queen. Who is, what, what? I think that you should let them tears run. Ain't the feeling, ain't the same, but no Again, we don't have the copyright, so... It's funny, like, you're talking about coming out, and I don't think I was nearly as gay as I thought I would be until I met you. Because <laughs> I viewed you as such a confident person. I viewed you as, like, such a gay person. So I'm not going to get emotional because I'm just grateful. And I feel like your coming out story and how British it was. (laughs) 
is so like relevant to why we talked about this in the first part of the podcast in the second part like because each person coming out has such a different experience well i mean for me it's because i came out to margaret thatcher first right yeah (laughs) (laughs) there was no iron lady here honey the iron lady here was uh, me being hardcore homosexual. Oh my god! Oh my god! And that god. is still true. Oh. Thank, thank God he's still gay. I don't know what he was about to just say. So you know, Jack. It could have been a lot worse. Listen, it might it might be dad puns or a lot of gay references that nobody's gonna understand slash be disgusted by neither (laughs) so you coming out though oh yeah i did that take us through that journey because you had a girlfriend oh honey, you did the bye now gay later i did it's funny you should say that so um here's the thing i for a long time i described myself as bi and it's not that I would describe myself as pan or or not gay right now, but like I think I just appreciate the the feminine mystique now, but I don't think I'm sexually attracted to it. I think that it's something I want to protect because of how hardcore law, political, societal, and all of that situation is against the feminine situation right now. So, I oh, feel, yeah. like, very protective in a brotherly way, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. on that part. And it's funny, on bullet point number 2.0 of that, that you say about me having a girlfriend, because I want to congratulate my last girlfriend I had when I was 17. Yesterday, I found out through the... <laughs> Interwebs. The interwebs, the meaning of Instagram that she got engaged, funnily enough, to someone called Jack. So Oh <laughs> I thought her name was gonna be Jacqueline. No, her name is Sarah. So Sarah, um, shout out to y'all. Um, congratulations on your engagement. Sarah was and still is, I imagine, a wonderful human being who finally found a dick that wanted her back. Oh, <laughs> Well, honey, I'm sorry. That is, it's too serious for ah. that. <laughs> so Sarah, Sarah was a very. <laughs> oh my god, I can't with you. <laughs> Listen, I'm married to a man, so I can't even like joke about that. Uh, Sarah was a very accepting and open person of my sexuality at that time. Sarah was a very accepting and openly accepting person of me at that time and uh i'm very grateful for her to be part of my journey apart from that and uh my parents loved her because she was a wonderful human being and, and a woman and a, and a woman but for them she was and a woman for me she was but she's a woman uh <laughs> God. so Y'all want to know my coming out story? I Where don't do... think so. Okay. As Mary Poppins once said, let's start from the beginning because it's a very good place to start. That was Sound of Music. That wasn't Mary Poppins. Oh my God. Wait, that doesn't just make me a bad 
musical theater fan. That, that makes, makes me a bad m- gay. And that makes me a better gay than you. Let's start at the very beginning. That's not the first time ever. Well, she played Mary Poppins. That's the same actress. Listen, Julie Andrews. Listen. Anyway. Keep defending yourself. I'm, I'm just on the Julie Andrews train. Well, fucking Choo-choo tell us bitch. how you came out Let's because this is getting exhausting. Well, this is an interesting story. Well, to me anyway. Oh, well, he's drinking. So, wait, wait. Do you want to do that at the same time? Let's have a drink before this. One, two, three. Cheers. And swivel. We obviously don't have any emotional issues with this because we're drinking throughout it all, right? Drinking throughout it all and denying that it ever happened. (laughs) Thanks, Sarah. Uh, (laughs) So. She's marrying a woman anyway. A man. He's called Jack. I don't care. He seems very nice. He's a nice guy. Tell us the fucking story. So, my name is Jack. Also. So, baby Jack, I'm thinking of. We are waiting on the edge of our seats, baby Jack. Your edge of glory. Okay, so I came out the closet a few times in my own eyes. I peeked out of the closet. I came out of the closet, went back in, and then punched down that closet door like a mother trucker. So, there's two guys prominent within this new friendship group that I made. One guy became my best friend. The other guy became somewhat of a love interest to me. I didn't know whether he was interested in me or not. Through his best friend, who was the other guy who I became close with, uh, he conveyed that he was very interested in me sexually and wanted to make out with me. And I never made out with many girls at that point. I made out with two or three. And I never made out with a guy. And he was very interested in, you know, that situation with me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to kiss a guy. I'm up for that, I think. I was 14. I was like, well, let's give this a go. Let's see how this is. The first guy said, hey, the second guy is interested in you. He wants to make out with you. And I was like, oh my God, no way. (laughs) I was very scared because I'd never make out with a guy before. And obviously that was true to myself. Got to the party. And in the UK, the drinking age is very lower. But still, socially acceptable. It's more acceptable, but... Not, because we all got a little bit tipsy. And you fucked him. No, well, here's the thing, I didn't, because we were underage, how dare you? And I felt the pressure of that night, but I was also very excited by it. Duh. Because, duh, I was gay as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So, at that night, I was like, I was there, I was ready to go. And then, you know what happened? Basically, my excuse to myself was that he got too drunk because he had two, you know, smyrnophysis. So he was drunk at that point. And I was like, I don't want to make out with anyone that's drunk. He continued to get drunker and I continued to get more like, oh my God, this isn't the right guy for me. So I said to him, I don't want to make out anymore throughout the whole next few weeks. And then basically he was like, I'm not interested in you anymore. Mm. And it broke my little gay 14-year-old heart, Paul. Even though you had already told him that you didn't want to make out with him. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm a hypocrite. But the thing Sounds is, like it was your fault, bitch. But here's the thing. I was sober and he wasn't. And you know what's harder? Is the fact that I was like, hey, mm. I just want to... The thing is, I wanted to deal with this sober. Like... Mm-hmm. A bunch of drunken teenagers wasn't the situation that I wanted to deal with it in. Mm-hmm. 
So I was like, I want to deal with this sober. I want to talk to you because it meant because it meant so much to me. And I think that's it. looking in hindsight over what fucking twelve years ago, which I cannot believe. I feel so old. Twelve years ago, I was like, I want to deal with this while we're both sober because it means so much to me. And it was such a and in hindsight such a poignant part in my life. As comical as I look back at it now, and I'm fine with looking back at, back at it in that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know what he did? He went, mm, Jack, I'm not interested in you because I'm, I'm, I kind of have feelings for this other guy who was the great above me and had a six pack. You, you didn't have that. That's what happened. I didn't have the sick pack. That's correct. You were fat shamed. What? (laughs) Even though you were skinny. The only six pack I had was a six pack of rolls. Bread rolls. So you, like, I think it's interesting thinking about our stories because I talk about my story from a family perspective where I'm like, yeah, I fucking was stupid with three guys and they all treated me like shit. But your story focuses on those guys. So there's a difference between like my story and your story. Well, here's the thing, because I think it was a it was a point of self shame. Yeah. Which is why I was like trying to relate that to you in terms of because I know that I I've come to terms with that, that I was self shaming and I was like, I don't want to do this because and I think this is not right because of this. Whereas if I wasn't shaming myself because I was afraid of my sexuality and I was disappointed in myself of being gay slash bi slash liking the same gender, then I wouldn't have done that. Whereas you were more freeing, but you were just trying to hide it from certain people, mm-hmm. I think, right? Yeah, I yeah, I was fine to be a fucking dick pig in college. <laughs> And it was cool for me to just sort of like explore that, explore that of just random guys coming to my room and just like, yes, come on, queen, like work it. But versus you're saying you told your family pretty early on. So jumping to you and telling your family and like after you had had these weird experiences with these guys did you do how did that happen well here's the thing so what happened was i um it was about four years later so that happened when i was about 14 and then i didn't come out until i was 19 to my parents what that was just a long time it was a very long time and emotionally it felt like a long time and it was it was a very hard time for me to go through, and um, it it's okay. <laughs> it was a tough few years because I obviously was ashamed of myself from when I was thirteen slash fourteen to when I eventually came out to my parents at around nineteen. Um, I had another boyfriend at the time. I switched college courses. And I came home to my parents and I'd spoke about this guy and multiple guys that was very obvious that was like a very closer relationship than it was friends. And I was with a guy that I'd been with 
this was the second time I'd been with this guy who uh, I don't want to give him credit on this podcast because I don't want to give him credit for part of the story of him helping me because I did this very much all on my own. Yeah. He was just at my house a lot and very obviously flamboyant and homosexual. And my mom had met him multiple times. My dad had met him also multiple times. And my sister, who is six years younger than me, and um, my mum was pacing one morning. I could kind of tell something was wrong. But I just thought, you know, the menopause is a thing. That <laughs> happens. I mean... She's pacing. She's pacing. And I'm sat there and I'm like, what? And then she says to me outright, Jack, have you got something you want to tell me? And as soon as she said that, obviously, after... One, two, three, four. Six years, seven years of me hiding this secret from her. Trying to, you know, I'm going to the club. I'm going to a gay club. Me hiding the fact that I had two boyfriends in that time. Me hiding the fact that, you know, I was self-shaming. And me hiding the fact that, you know, I was leaving my true authentic self behind her back. And my dad's back. And my sister's back. And me obviously being gay because I was count as fuck and I was myself authentically 100% but I was hiding my sexuality even though it was at the forefront of my personality and there was no shame of, of me as part of that she said is there something you want to tell me what did you say I responded with <laughs> I responded with well if you're going to ask me that question, I think you might know the answer to it. <laughs> mm. And I saw it as such a liberating moment. Mm-hmm. And I was very glad to have that moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I had that in person. And I was so glad that... She couldn't have had a response other than... Yeah, I do know why I just said that. <laughs> but I was like, bitch, duh. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. you've known me since birth. She literally said, okay, okay. here's my mom, what my mom said. On my kindergarten report, there was like a place for the parents to reply. Uh, very um, authentically creative and feminine and boyish. So it was like they were trying to draw the line, but like... Your teacher said that you were feminine? Yeah. What the fuck? But like, they were basically saying... Hashtag fag, fag, fag. Which, bitch, I'm not I'm not ashamed of. No. But so what my mum responded with, which is not many people are going to get this reference, but she said, well, we might not have a doctor on our hands, but at least we might have the next Lily Savage. Who is? She is a famous drag queen from the UK with oh. a half gold, but the wit and tongue of a funny, sharp, intellectual, who is very funny and very bitchy with her reply. So, you told your mom. I did. In the kitchen. And? And in that moment, she broke down and she cried and she hugged me and I, of course, I, of course, appreciated that moment and it's something that... Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll obviously never forget. How could you? It's like 
your mom saying she gets and knows everything about you. <laughs> you know, in that moment, it's like it's oh like God, we, even okay. if we didn't, because we're British, we looked eye to eye and we both got emotional. And then I was like, "Bitch, I'm British. I don't get emotional." And she said, "Me too." <laughs> we're both emotional. So um, she knew I was. Okay. She knew I was always meant to be the person I was meant to be from day one. So I wasn't ashamed of that. And why should I be? Because I was born this way. And I'm not. There's no part of me that is afraid of that. I said to her, I said, to her, I said well, you know, I'm happy, right? Because at the time I had a boyfriend, which I allegedly <laughs> was happy with. And I said, hey, you know, I'm happy with, insert name here. And she said, I know. And I said, you know, I'm gay, right? And she said, yes. And then we just hugged. And and I think that that was the, that was the moment that she needed. That was the moment that she needed to fully accept that. She had a gay son, and I think that that was the moment for both of us that we realized that, okay, as I said in earlier, that we we created a relationship that was beyond just mother and son, that it was a gay son and a mother that we elevated upon that, and that my sexuality wasn't just me, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just... Oh, I'm so much more than my sexuality. No, no, no. I am like, you know, I, I see it more than that. And I think that we may, may, maybe, maybe we view it differently. But I see. And I think that, honestly, I think that my parents see it differently from me. But I see my sexuality as a part of me. And I see it as, oh, I'm not defined by my sexuality. But at the same time, you know what? Yes, I am. I 100% am and i am not ashamed of it and i'm not ashamed of who i am or what i am or what community a part of him i am so so proud to call myself a member of the lgbtq plus community and i am not ashamed to campaign and fight tooth and nail for every single part of that community that i am part of If you would like to connect with us, please follow us on Instagram and subscribe to our podcast at let's unpack that underscore podcast at Instagram.com. Um, that's our handle on Instagram. And if you would like to email us to give us advice on different topics, please let us know. You can email us at let's unpack that pod at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. And please, please, please subscribe, rate, everything. Yas, queen, go.